Hi, welcome to Forbes Let's Talk, the insurance edition. My name's Nicola Dawn and I'm one of the insurance partners at Forbes. And each podcast, I'll be taking you on a journey with one of our guests through their work, life and career. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Forbes Let's Talk, the insurance edition. Good to see you. I'm really pleased today to say that I've got one of uh, my fellow partners in insurance, Tim Smith, here. Hello, Nick. Hello. To Hello. chat about all sorts of interesting. I'm really good. Well, as we record this, England have literally yes. just got through so to the Women's World Cup final. So oh. I'm really excited. Very excited. Very, very excited. excited. I mean, by the time this goes out, it could have gone one way or the other. Yes. But at this very moment in time, very I'm very, excited. very, very excited. Yeah, it was. It was. But I am really excited, and we absolutely smashed them. So that's really good stuff. Stuff, yeah, good really stuff. Good. Well, it's lovely to welcome you to the podcast, Tim, and uh, and to see you. Um, can we start off and just tell us a bit about your journey into law? Because it, it's can, not quite the usual yes, course. it's a little bit different perhaps to other journeys. Um, so I started off, I actually did a degree in construction management for like managing building sites and contractors and operatives and what have you. Mm. It's a little bit different. But in the, the final year of that degree, I did a um, dissertation on claims for pure economic loss, Murphy and Brentwood and junior books and Vici, all that sort of stuff. And I thought, wow, this looks good. But it was all a bit late by then, of course. <laughs> so I think, ah, think outside the box, what else could I do? So I went and got a job. Uh, working on construction sites and working as a site engineer Um, and I worked there for quite a few years and then started looking at the options to try and study law and qualify as a solicitor that was going to be the end that's where the end goal it took rather a long time a bit longer than I thought but look at you now super successful partner so then I um, got a job as a loss adjuster so I started moving across to more of a claims environment and started studying part-time for the what was then the postgraduate diploma in law and then the LPC. So I went to the uh, York College of Law, did the LPC, did a trading contract at a, another firm in York, and then finally got to Forbes in 2009 and been here ever since. That's a really since interesting room. So it must have been quite a different work environment, it working was. out on construction yeah, sites to working in yeah, an office and doing yeah, what we was. do now. Yeah, it was. But I guess... So wherever you go, people are people, aren't they? So yeah. it was quite a good grounding for different types of clients. And actually, the the the, the building side, it was one of the best jobs for um, dispelling stereotypes because you'd see some poor guy digging a hole or driving a tractor or driving a machine, and you'd go over and have a word with him, and you'd, feel, you'd find out that he's listening to opera in his cab or he's, he's, he's into all sorts of weird and wonderful things, or she. So it was a very good job for sort of levelling leveling things off and dispelling any stereotypes you might have about um, people and backgrounds and what they do. So And great, obviously, for a claims background to actually have been yes. out and done the work yes. as well and understand yes. what clients might yes. need now because you've been at the, the well, literally the, the coalface, nearly. No, the coalface bit. So, yeah, that was good. That was very good. Excellent. Very good. And you were in our Leeds office with yes. Siobhan, who we did the last podcast yes. with, yes. the lovely Siobhan. Yes, fantastic um, Siobhan. And enjoying life over there. Yeah, and... loving it. No, it's good. good team, so... We've obviously got Siobhan's over there, and we've got Sid, and we've got Cameron, and we've got Zane, and then we've got the other teams with Leone and Justine. So, yeah, they're all really good. It's all buzzing over there. Yeah, I like coming over good. to Leeds for a little, uh, little right. trip. It's, it's good. It's a different of a change. It's yeah. good. Yeah. And what can you tell us about Japanese knotweed oh, and trees? Because that's your trees? speciality. Oh, yes. so that's my thing, yeah. So, 
Um, I'm trying to think how many years ago now, but we started basically specialising on the environmental side on claims for Japanese knotweed and tree cases, so acting for local authorities. So ordinarily, we were the acting for the party or the organisation that had the trees or the Japanese knotweed allegedly on their land, or certainly the trees would be fine, but Japanese knotweed allegedly on their land. Um, so we started dealing with these cases. And the thing, the really good thing about those sorts of cases, I find, is there's sort of two, there's almost like two limbs to them. Mm. So you start off by getting all the information, say, for the trees, the reports, the, the soil um, analysis, the monitoring, everything else goes with it. Or if it's Japanese knotweed, you get the reports from the Japanese knotweed firm. Again, about investigations, what they found, where they think the Japanese knotweed has spread from to. Um, and then the best bit I find, there's two, so there's two bits. Well, the first part is actually going out to site because you have to go out and meet these people, which is really good and what I like doing. And from my background, I spent quite a bit of time outdoors. So naturally, I like to be outdoors where I can be. So that's really good. You get to go out and meet, you know, meet contractors, get to go out and meet some experts, expert engineers, expert surveyors get to meet the people who have been affected by these trees. Or I was going to say, so when we talk weed. about tree claims, mm, yes. what sort of claims do you get There's for the old sorts, trees? Nick, all <laughs> sorts, all, all the wily old so things, they are, aren't they? So you can start, if you start from the top, so you've got like branches falling off, injuring people, so that's sort of the, the norm that you would see. And then you've got the more the invisible side of things, which is underground with the tree roots. So the tree root ones... I think are probably a bit more interesting because we're a bit more involved, a bit more to them. There's a bit more to look at in terms of reports, etc. Whereas the the above ground, yeah, it's fine, interesting cases, but it's all there in the open to see. There's a bit less, um, I suppose, guesswork or or trying to put together the pieces. And really, that's what it's all about. With the Japanese knotweed or the tree cases, it's all about putting together the pieces of the jigsaw and then trying to work out what the actual cause was, whether the Jap if it's Japanese knotweed, where it came from, what the source was. If it's a tree case. Is it actually the tree roots that's causing damage to the property? Because as I found out, there are a whole multitude of reasons why buildings move. And one of which can be tree roots, but there could be defective foundations or poor foundations, leaking drains, inadequate construction. Um, there could be other trees involved. So you could have a tree that's on the land that you're acting for the client, but there could be other trees on the, the, the claimant's land or somebody else's land that's influencing the, the property movement. So... Yeah, there's all sorts of things to look at there. And then the second stage, the second bit that I really like is when you come back to the office, you've got all these photographs and plans, well, all electronically now, but mm -hmm. previously you'd have poured over them on your desk and tried to work out what was what. And then you try and apply the law to it. So you're trying to work out where it fits in terms of case law, where it fits in terms of where you think the case is going to go. So that's the other part. So the two bits really, going out is really good and the meeting with the clients and meeting with the claimants and meeting with the um the consulting engineers, I like that bit, but coming back and then getting your head round, all this information you've gathered in and then trying to work out what's what. So it's a bit of the fresh air and then putting yes. the pieces of the puzzle together. Yes. That's what so, I like doing with my work as well, yes. especially the long tail stuff yes, when you go yes, back yes. and looking at trying to put things into yes. context. It's really interesting. It's amazing what you, because at first, when you first read a document or first look at some photographs and a plan, mm. you sort of, you form one view normally or an initial view then you go out to site or if you go out and see clients you form a slightly different view and they bring it back and you take a step back and you're trying to be objective and trying to look at it rationally and applying the law to it you can sometimes go in a slightly different direction but 
It's certainly it good. It sounds really interesting. Very interesting, yes. Yeah, and it's important, obviously, in your work to go out and see yes. the actual yes. tree or the I think Japanese that certainly helps weed. because you can do basically like a desktop review. So you could just look at a report, photographs, plans, reports in from the client. But I always say to clients, if the claim is worth you know a reasonable amount of money that justifies us going out, then it's probably best to go out because then you see the bigger picture. You can see where that particular tree fits in. You can see where the Japanese knotweed fits in. And we've had numerous cases in the past where there's been all sorts of um, discussions um, about boundaries. So you end up trying to actually work out, well, is that tree actually on the, your land in the first place? Is that Japanese knotweed the source? Is that coming from your land or is it coming from somebody else's land? And you'd be surprised how many times, even when you get a report in from a surveyor, an engineer or um, somebody dealing with Japanese knotweed, be surprised how many times the boundaries aren't actually in the right place and it transpires that they've been moved. And, and people move boundaries for all sorts of reasons. Mm. Um, but if you go to site, you can start working out in terms of either dimensions and measurements from the property or even just features on the ground. You can look at where roads are and pavements are and you can work things out fairly accurately to where the boundaries should be. So, so it helps it actually reduces absolutely. the amount of time you have to definitely. spend on it then yeah, because definitely. you've got yeah, a view in your mind about and, and where you it is. you can say to the other side, be it a claimant solicitor or a claimant in person, you can say, well, I've been out to site. I can tell you that that's not the case. It's not there. It's over here. Mm. Whereas if you haven't been, it's quite difficult. And also you find photographs can be deceptive because you may have pictures of, say, Japanese knotweed, for example. But the description in the report might say, that's right adjacent to our property. But when you actually go out there, it could be a couple of hundred metres away. But you're not to know that until you actually go out. So I think site visits, the, the, the way forward. The way, the way forward. forward. Do you ever yes. take videos as well when you're out? I do site? sometimes. Um, I tend to, well, I tend to have taken a video. I tend to walk around and try and describe the scene and what's happening and where the various locations are. But the only thing I'd say with videos is that they can become a little bit... Um, I suppose sometimes with photographs, it's easier to pinpoint things when, you, when you're looking back at things, whereas a video is sort of looking around and thinking, right, that's there, but then where was the other? What I like to do is basically take um, photographs sort of panning around and I piece them together and I get back. I can so say, you've right, almost got a panoramic yeah, view of it. That's it, that's it. So I can see the trees there, the properties here, the other trees or vegetations over here. So that's what I tend to do. But videos, yes. Videos, we do good. Do videos. Well, yeah, you yes. know, you, now on a phone, you can do almost Absolutely. anything, can't you? Yeah, I mean, it's really, really useful. You can have. We've even had video calls from site before as well. So if the if the um, other side's engineer can't make the site visit, then we'll have a video call and we can do it on site. So it can be really, really, really useful. Uh, very good. Good and can you tell us about Japanese knotweed? Because yes. I had never, ever heard okay. of Japanese knotweed right. before I met you. Well, and now it seems to be literally it is. everywhere. It is. I think with um, social media really picked up on it and certain um, newspapers or digital enterprise certainly picked up on it and said, right, you know, Look out for Japanese knotweed. It's the worst thing that can happen to you. It can cause damage to your property. It can, but if you look at the the, um, the papers and the material on it, it's very rare that it actually causes any physical damage, but it does have this blight that goes with it. So if you have Japanese knotweed on your property, then it can potentially cause you all sorts of problems. You can't just simply cut it down and throw it away. You have to dispose of it in a proper manner. And there's all sorts of rules that you have to follow when dealing with it. But it actually came from, I think it was back in the Victorian times, they brought it from abroad um, as a beautiful flowering plant. It's got a beautiful flat white flower on it in the summertime. Um, but unfortunately, it's very, very quick growing. Um, and it can spread fairly rapidly as well via these rhizomes, which are basically like a bit like a 
if you think of almost like an onion, like a ball root underground, and these things can spread very, very quickly without you realising above ground how far it's spread. And it grow, grows quickly um, and it can cause damage to properties. But the, probably the most telling point is when you come to sell your property as part of the search, as part of the forms you have to fill in, you have to declare and say, have you ever had Japanese knotweed? And that's really where the, the difficulty comes in because if you tick that box and of course it then brings in all sorts of other questions and queries and how are you going to resolve it? How are you going to treat it? How are you going to get rid of it, etc. Was it in Victorian times they realised it might be a problem or was it? I don't think so. Is it no, as houses no, in the history I, buff I, I head think on? The, I think the, probably the issue was it was used um, in gardens um, horticulturally as, a, as a, a decorative flower but as we've pushed out in terms of development and building we've encroached more in areas where you like to find it so things like railway embankments it's quite often, it seems to flourish quite well there basically because it won't get disturbed it's got good soil drainage because of the embankment and normally on the on the, on the south side or uh, facing the sun it's going to get the sun um, which again it likes and it grows with um, so it's really as we've pushed out the boundaries for development sites, we've picked it up there. But also in terms of water courses, you only need a very small piece of Japanese knotweed, literally the size of my thumb. Um, uh, so if you were to pick up a piece of Japanese knotweed and throw it down somewhere else, it would sprout and spring up. And it's a tiny little piece. That, so you don't need a piece with roots on. You don't need a piece with leaves on. You can literally just cut a piece. And, uh, it sounds like something it. from a horror film. Yes, David well, Triffids yes, or something like that, doesn't yes, it? You could look at it that way. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Um, but if you treat it right, if you contain it, if you get like a buffer zone around it, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to um, successfully contain it and uh, there shouldn't be any issues. But it does have very, very bad press. Um, and certainly as it's things that stand at the moment, you can claim damages for Japanese knotweed encroachment, depending on what systems you've got as the landowner. But if you basically put your, put your head in the sand and try to ignore it, like all of these things, it will come back and... Uh, it will bite, bite you. you. Yeah. So do we act for local authorities we do. insurance yes. Yes. for those so sorts of claims? I act predominantly for local authorities, but also for some landowners. But we're um, basically on the, or 99% of the time, on the defendant side. So usually the tree is on our land as the defendant, mm -hmm. or the Japanese knotweed or alleged Japanese knotweed is on our land as the defendant. I suppose the other thing to point out there is a lot of people, and even the experts, um, we'll say it's Japanese knotweed, but when you get out to site and get actually looking at the um, the site itself and get other experts involved, you can, you can often find it's not even Japanese knotweed. It's just a, a plant that looks very similar. It's not that easy to distinguish it. Um, so your first port of call would be first port of call would be to distinguish is it actually Japanese knotweed? Um, fine if it is, but if it's not, then you're like, well. Let's carry on. Case closed. Case closed. Yeah, go <laughs> on to the next. Yeah, on to the next one. Yeah. It's fascinating, really, isn't it? And did you, did you discover, like, when you did, because I think you did the ELP all yes, sorts of cases yes, prior to yes, that. Yes. Did you, it kind of came across your desk and um, you thought, it, this is interesting. Yeah, it did to a degree, but not in great numbers, because um, it wasn't relatively well known going back then. But it basically started to develop after the RICS, the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors, done a paper about the difficulties with Japanese knotweed, and that was back in 2012, I think it was. So after that, give it a few more years after that, and things started to roll on from there. Um, that's when, basically, um, claimant solicitors realised there was potentially a claim in there for, mm. for nuisance in terms of encroachment um, and started to pursue the claim. So that's really how it came about. So we did deal with them, but not in the, the numbers that we deal with them now. So.
excellent. And I've spoken to quite a few insurers and they were saying yes. that it's becoming yes. a really big thing yes. on their books yes. now. Yeah, I think the problem is is the size of the infestations as well because it's very rare that you end up with a knotweed infestation that's, say, I don't know, say the size of uh, say, say the size of the chair I'm sitting on. Normally, if it's left and nobody does anything with it for a couple of years, then you end up with an infestation that could be a couple hundred metres squared. So mm. suddenly you go from literally nothing to a big infestation, then nobody really knows what to do with it or doesn't have the budget to deal with it. Um, and so then you start seeing the claims come in. Um, so, so yeah, but I mean, if you were to treat it initially, contain it initially, put in a buffer zone system, so you've got a, a zone around it that keeps it contained, just let it spread. Um, then there's ways to deal with it, but it's when it basically spreads and spreads and then spreads up to boundaries because it knows there's no there's no boundaries that were for the Japanese knotweed. It simply goes under fences or around buildings. Well, it respects no, nothing, does it? Respects nothing. No, no, no gets no, no. everywhere. No. Oh, well, that's really interesting. That's I, I never really had kind of got into a head that there was that many claims you could there, not yes. that many ways you could claim yes. for Japanese yes. knotweed in trees, yes. Yes. but they're clearly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, there's a fair, there's a fair degree of different ways of approaching those types of claims. Mm. And what do you like to do when you're not dealing with Japanese? Oh, well, I'm not. Oh, goodness me! Well, not work, not work related. What not does work Tim related. like to do out of the office? Um, well, I like to do a bit of a bit of slow, slow jogging, a bit of slow plodding. Oh, I don't it, think it's slow plodding, 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 is it? It's, it's much sometimes more impressive than oh, I can no, manage. No, no, no. And sometimes a bit of running, a bit of um, cycling. So we we had the. Um, the Three Peaks Challenge for the Forbes Foundation. Yeah. So that was... Uh, that was, that really was the Yorkshire really Three Peaks, yes, wasn't it? Yes, So not far yes. away from your, not where far away you at are. All. So that was, really, that was really good. So put a bit of... Uh, more. It was further than I thought it was going to be. That's <laughs> the point I'll take that. I've done it before and it oh, does... Because the first way. peak is deceiving, isn't it? It is. You get up yeah, there and you is. think, oh, this won't take it's that done. long. Why do people yes. think, oh, it'll take 12 yes. hours? Yes. And then you've got the horrendously long walk. It does take 12 hours. It does take 12 hours. And you had it on a really hot day as well, didn't you? Yeah, we did a fabulous day for doing it. But it was really, really warm. Oh dear, it was sweltering. We had some really great support, really good support. Um, lots of support, so lots of water and lots of things to eat. Lots well, that's of always nice. Yeah, that no, was very, very, very good. But I would say, anybody think of doing it, allow plenty of time. I think that's the oh, yeah. take, take your time doing it and allow plenty of time. But it was really good. I've got the whole. Well, the firm, the people from all the different offices, different departments all got together. So, yeah, fabulous, really good. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, and so you got to meet all the people that you that's, wouldn't normally yeah, have met as thing. well. So there's people there that never normally see, uh, never somebody meet. Um, so, yeah, it's just really good. Then you get chatting and find out which department they're in and who they know. And you know similar people or there's, there's a there's a um, people they know that you know. So, yeah, that was really good. Really good. Good really stuff. Good. And I've actually also had a question in for you, you, which is oh, the first time this oh, has happened. You, this you. has happened. So, on LinkedIn, yes. you've been known to go around on a Friday yes. and have Friday fish and chip ah, photo. Fish and chips. Obviously. Yeah. And this, 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 this yeah. is now yeah. famous because I've had a question in from partner ah. Jennifer Smith from oh, the employment Jen team, oh. uh, asking where one, is your favourite place to get fish and chips? Oh dear. Um, see, I, it'd be difficult to pinpoint one particular place, but I would say I'm a bit more independent, small fish and chips take the priority or favourites rather than perhaps like Weatherby Whaler and bigger chains and things. I'm not saying something wrong with their fish and chips, <laughs> great fish and chips, but I sometimes find little independence, so I tend to go there. So if I could find a backstreet fish and chip shop, then that's probably where I'd aim to go to. Well, we might send you around her, her home area yes, and then you, you, can, find. you can find yes. it and then recommend her one. Yes. She'd be quite happy Pops, about that. And we've done quite a lot of work, haven't we, around yes. LinkedIn and, yes. and rolling it out to the yes. wider firm because obviously it's a really popular yeah, way. Yeah. 
yeah. that people look yeah. at and it markets yeah. us and yes. it gets us yes. out and chatting to clients yeah, and yeah. people. Yeah. Um, have you noticed that that's kind of a big change in the way we've marketed since definitely. you first yeah, joined no, Forbes? Yeah, definitely, and... definitely. Because the marketing used to be effectively you'd have flyers that you might, well, originally you'd post out to people. You'd yeah. say, right, here's a load of flyers, send them out to X, Y, and Z. Or you'd take them to face-to-face meetings. You'd hand over your flyer and say, this is what we do. But with social media, I mean, you can cover so much to so many yeah. people just at a touch of a button. I mean, it, that's that's a really, really good thing, but you just have to be careful how you use it. But constructively, it's, it's really it's incredible because mm-hmm. you can you can put all this information together, you can send it out to all of your clients at once, or you can just target particular <laughs> you think you're going to be interested. And you've got that open forum because if anybody's interested, they can just come back to you, they can directly message you, and then you can then target what you want to do in terms of what they want to do. So they'll come back and say, well, I don't want to know about trees, but that Japanese knotweed sounds interesting so then you go and put together some material for them for japanese knotweed so yeah i think it's completely changed completely changed everything that we that we do we do it's fun isn't it as well because we get to be able to we get to be able to like reach people that we we would normally reach and connect with people that you you might not have spoken to for a long time thing is the big thing because you want to promote what we do and the, the good good service that we give but also internally because you can follow what other people are doing so you can see what other teams are doing what other people are doing in terms of office activities or where they're going so i think it's just really good for that because again ordinarily um, you would have the opportunity to, to, you know, to well, speak that's to true because obviously your Leeds, yeah. I'm Manchester, yeah. we've spread out, so and we've, 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 but yet yeah, we are yeah. sat here in Walton Summit and yeah, Mayor Preston. Are. Yeah, are. Um, so we, yeah, it's, yeah, it's good for so keeping in touch with people. It's really good, isn't it? And talking yeah. about office activities, we're about to launch the Forbes Pride playlist. Yes. For yes. Manchester Pride, we yes. decided to have our Pride parties yes. around there. So, yes. what would be your top three songs oh, for the playlist? Tim, I definitely put some George Michael on there. Excellent. So, well, he's on there. He's on there. He's on, got there. on there. Wham's definitely on there. Um, what else would I put on there? I probably would have a bit. I did. I did. I must admit, I did see a Nets email this morning, but I would be thinking about YMCA as well. I think I'd put them <laughs> on there. I think. Um, and then another thing, really, sort of like. I'll put some dance tunes on, really. I'll just yeah, get some. get the party I'll, going. I'll even go back to a bit of like the 60s stuff and all that sort of, I'll put the, the four tops and all that sort of stuff on and a bit of Aretha and all that sort of stuff. Oh, I'll get that Glory on there Gainer, as well. That well, that's on there that's as well. Bit, that's a given. Um, so, yeah. I think yeah. I'll, I'll perhaps go back a little bit, but I'll, def- I'll definitely be up there with George Michael and Wham, because I think that's... Uh, that's where you've got to be, really. Exactly. And you guys in Leeds looking forward to We it. are, yes. On the 29th, we've got hours uh, happening as well in the Leeds office. So, yeah, all good for that. I think we're going to steal, I think, some of your playlist. But apart from that... Well, I'm yeah. making it available. So, yeah. It's so it, Spotify. It, think, it's going yeah. to be on Spotify. So Excellent. all of our offices, when they have their office party, yes. will have the Forbes Pride Party right playlist. Right Anyone right listening to this that's got towards the end of the well. po- podcast, you can listen yes. to it. Yes. I mean, Excellent. if anyone knows me, there'll be a lot of Kylie and Steps <laughs> on there. <laughs> Steps, of course, I've got about steps. Exactly, steps yes. as well. Steps is what bit yes. of five, six, seven, eight tragedy. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it'll be yeah. it'll be all going off, yes. which will be really, really yes. good fun. S Club Seven, we have any S Club Seven on there? Oh, of course, all the hits, Excellent. Bewitched, Five, Nineties oh. Classics. It's all there, isn't it? It's all there. Oh. So yeah, so I think we we should Fantastic. you know maybe do some Forbes Pride merchandise. Yes. Yes. But I'm really pleased with that because the EDIB committee, the Equality, Diversity, yes. Inclusion, and Belonging, yes. is really starting to to get going yes. now. Yeah. kick in and yeah. we've got all these events going yeah. on which is yeah. really, really good. good no it's very good isn't it it, it is good. good. And we've obviously attended quite a few events together yes, now. We, we have, like the Leeds Insurance do. Yes, I did. We like yes, that. Yeah, yeah. We've done all sorts of together, haven't we? The, yeah. All the LinkedIn stuff. Yeah. 
then it is good. It's good, really. I like that about Forbes that yes. you very much come together with you your are. colleagues from yeah, other offices so. as well. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. And at all different levels as well. You know, we're we're talking here, aren't we, partner to partner? But everybody gets involved in all the LinkedIn stuff. There's a lot of stuff on there from other members of the teams at all different levels. It's all it's all good stuff. It all comes together. It all, prom- all promotes what we're doing and shows what we like as a firm, doesn't it? It's all one big family. Exactly, fact, exactly. Wherever you might be, which office, whatever level you might be at. But exactly. Yeah, no, it's all really good, good stuff. Isn't isn't it? Oh, good. Oh, good. So, cycling as well, Tim. Have you yes. done much cycling recently? Well, not recently, I have to tell. No. <laughs> but I did previously do the Tour de Forbes. That was a really, really, really good event. So, if you fancy cycling around the Forbes offices, well, Ridwan Rid- Rid- was talking to me about this on his podcast. And it does sound interesting, but it sounds a long way. <laughs> it, it is a long way, but it, that actually goes quicker, I think, than you think. Whereas the the three peaks, the Yorkshire three peaks, I thought actually that took longer than I thought it was going to take, just just sort of mentally preparing for it. But the Tour de Forbes, because you go around all the offices, you're seeing lots of different people, lots of fantastic support. You're getting fed, you're getting watered. Um, it does seem to go quite quickly. So I, I think that's one probably for you then, if you're thinking right. Yeah. Maybe, 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 maybe next year. Maybe next year. Yeah. You, you never know. Maybe next year yeah. I'll get involved. Give it, a, give it a go. I need to do a bit of training though oh, first. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. I know. Oh, I've been With playing football. football well, exactly. You're I just fine. said I played be football fine. last night. I've been bitten to bits by insects. So oh no! Injured. No. Injured currently. We get the call up for the World Cup final. Not just sadly, yet. not just yet. yet. I think maybe I've missed my missed my chance. Yeah. Maybe next time. <laughs> Time. Maybe next time, but you've always got to be positive, haven't you? And you have got to through. be, yes, yes. Just keep on going. But I think you, I think you'd thoroughly enjoy it. But you could also just go office to office, so you don't have to go do the whole thing. You could mm. just decide, I want to go from Leeds to Manchester, or Manchester through to Preston, or Blackburn, mm. or even Blackpool. Now, of course, couldn't you with the Blackpool office? Of course, so we've got Blackpool up, as well. Yeah, you could end up doing that. So, yeah, um, I would say. Give it a go. It sounds so fun. Go. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'll be there next year. Yeah. If the good. treats are right, I'm in. <laughs> There's always plenty of treats. Plenty of treats. Plenty to keep you going. Plenty of Haribos, plenty of chocolate. Oh, that sounds fruit, good. And that we can look day. out for any Japanese knotweed we on, on the, the way, way as well. Yes, yes. Depending <laughs> where we are, which, yeah, we'll have a look and see what we can see. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Definitely. Oh, well, that's been really good stuff, Tim. I've really enjoyed Thank that. You. And oh, it's been great to have you great. on. Yeah, and I've good. certainly learned a lot today, which oh, is good. which is good about trees and all sorts. I'll be looking out Excellent. on my way home later. Very good. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on, Tim. It's been thank a real you, pleasure Nick. to have you thank on you. here. Thank you. Thank you.